Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to week two of a sermon series we are calling Sun Stand Still. Have you guys been blessed by this series? We just launched it last week, but uh, it's on the idea, our, kind of our vision word for the year, uh, audacity. And uh, we have just had a good time. You know, last week we uh, talked about the fact that God is not offended by the ignorance or accuracy of our prayers, but he is offended by the size of it. And I just felt like it was time that as believers we stopped uh, praying for just little things in our lives. And we start praying for the big things that we've transitioned from asking God to help us, you know, survive this world. And instead start asking God to help us change this world. To go from just making it in this world to actually making something and adding value to this world. I just believe like there's, there's a bigger plan uh, for your life. And so I have the audacity to ask you to have some audacity to pray big prayers. And a lot of you did. You wrote them on these uh, audacious uh, prayer tags that we've got out there for the remainder of the sermon series. And then when we're done, we're actually going to take these, our staff and I, bring them to headquarters and we're going to be praying over them every time that we gather for a meeting. Believing that God's going to do a miracle in your life. If you believe that he can do a miracle, say amen. Amen. And so I wanted to uh, share some of them with you just to get an idea of what some of the people in our church are praying for. What big is for people are different in different seasons of life. And, and so, um, you know, we're a talkback church. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, I'll preach and sometimes you say amen. and Sometimes you just stare at me and, you know, that's cool too. And, uh, but whatever. And uh, we, you know, we talk back. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to kind of start a, a thing. I want to start a thing at the 11 o'clock. I want to start a tradition, okay. Whenever I say that, that God does something amazing, I want you to look back at me and I want you to just, just, just channel your inner, you know, gospel, T.D. Jakes, like, just look back at me when I say something big and be like, won't he do it? <laughs> just need you to say that. I just believe there's power. No, I don't. I think it's awesome. I think it sounds really cool. So, so I'm going to say a prayer request. And when I say it, I want you to say, won't he do it? Which is like that with some attitude. This person said, I'm... Oh, yeah, God, I pray that you get me and my fiancé. When I first read this, I thought it said, God, I pray you get me a fiancé. <laughs> I was like, won't he do it? <laughs> I was like, he can. Yes, he can. He's good. He's a good, good father. He can do it. Anyway, but it says, God, I pray you get me and my fiancé through our first year of marriage as we spend our first nine months apart while he is on deployment in the military. Please, God, protect him. This one said, uh, I'm praying for healing for my husband's health and vision for his life. Vision for my life. There was a lot of wives praying for their husbands. Come on, women of God. A lot of them. Either praying for them or praying for them. You know what I mean? One of the two. They were there. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? God, I pray for my daughter who just got diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. 
I pray for my husband to overcome addiction and for me to have enough patience and favor to stand there um, beside him. Just some real issues that people in our church are going through right now. Some big prayer requests, some big needs, some big hopes, some big dreams. And you had the audacity to write them down. And I had the audacity after you write it down to tell you this, that as big as your problem is and as big as your hope is and as big as your dream is, our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. He can do it. If he can stay the son, he can heal your husband. He can, he can restore that relationship. He can fix those issues. Our God is bigger. If you believe it, say amen. He can do it, man. He is bigger than all those things. And, and, I, and I was excited to hear the testimonies about how so many of you left this building full of hope and excitement for the future and what God would do in your life. And I think that was so awesome and, and great. And, uh, but today, uh, today I, I, I'm, I'm going to be real. Uh, I don't know that I'm ever not that way, but today I'm going to be super honest because today, you know, last week I told you that he could answer your prayer. Last week I told you that he could stay your son. But here's what I want to... I want to answer today. Today I want to answer the question, what if he doesn't? Because let's be real. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayers. Sometimes we stay before the sun and the sun does not stand still. And I also got to be honest, it would be a lot easier for me to just leave last week's sermon in last week. You know what I'm saying? God could do awesome things in your life. All right, next topic. <laughs> next subject. Let's move on. Amen. All of our hope is filled. This is all great. Good. Let's keep it going. Um, but I felt like if I did that, I would just only be supporting the outside cynicism that says that Christianity is disconnected from reality. Because this book is just a book of happy endings. And anybody who's lived long enough has lived long enough to know that not every story arc in life has a happy ending. And I got to say amen to that. I get it. Sometimes you shout out the sun and it still sets. Sometimes you pray for a loved one to get better and they still get sick. Sometimes you start tithing and you still get fired. <laughs> like that's a true story. <laughs> Last January we did a tithing challenge. We said 90 days. If you tithe your first 10% for 90 days, God will bless you. And if he doesn't bless you, we'll give you all your money back. A lady brought me back. She said, I started tithing and I got fired. <laughs> I said, junk mail. I don't want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. 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 I replied. I replied. We talked about it. We talked about it. Sometimes you get in a journey group. <laughs> Sometimes you get in a journey group. The groups that we tell you, well, you'll find freedom and you still end up in bondage. And, and is anybody like me? Please don't leave me here. Have you ever felt like there was a disconnection between what the word says and the reality you're living? Like there are some things that this book says would happen in your life if you do certain things and then you live by those certain things. But the things that this book says doesn't actually manifest itself on your Monday. So you can shout amen about it on Sunday, but on Monday you can't live it because it's not, it's not happening to you. I think uh, for those of you who believe that the Bible is just a book of happy endings and, and because of that it sets an expectation in you that then creates disappointment because you don't actually experience it. I, I got a couple of answers to that. First off, I, I think the fact that the Bible is a book of happy endings is debatable to say the least. It really dep depends on what page of the Bible you turn to. Because there are some pages in the Bible that don't have happy endings. If you were to happen to turn your Bible to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, you would hear the story about a father whose baby gets sick, is on, is on their deathbed. And they pray and they fast for seven days. Pray and fast for seven days that God would heal that baby. And guess what happens? The baby dies. Doesn't sound like a happy ending to me. 
If you open your Bible to Genesis chapter 39, you'll hear the story about a man who was wrongfully convicted and now is spending a life uh, sentence in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Doesn't sound like a happy ending to me. If you open your Bible to Matthew 27, you'll see a man who's never committed a sin in his life hang on a cross and die guilty and a mother at the foot of that cross crying for her baby boy. Would you please God save my baby boy? And God does not save her baby boy. If you turn your Bible to those pages, it doesn't look like a happy ending to me. But these passages of scripture that might discourage you, if I'm honest, they encourage me. Because they tell me something. They tell me that my hope is not built on the fact that God fixes every problem. Instead, my hope is built on my faith that every problem is just a page. And if I just stay in the story long enough, I will live to see the goodness of God. I will live to see the goodness of God. God doesn't promise to fix every problem, but here is the truth. Every problem is a page. And if you just stay in the book, if you don't allow your disappointment to close the book, but if you stay in the book, believing that God is going to turn things around, he will. He will. You, you read 2 Samuel chapter 12, you see, you see that, 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 that baby die. But if you stay in the book long enough to read 1 Kings chapter 1, you'll see that, that him and his wife had another child, and that child lives to become one of the greatest kings Israel ever saw. The wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Proverbs. You read Genesis 39, you see a man who spent his, almost his entire life in prison. You think, man, God's not fair and you want to close the book. But if you just get to chapter 41, you see that very same man get elevated to the right hand of Pharaoh, becomes the second in charge of an entire nation. You read Matthew 27, you think about a God who's not fair and who breaks his promise and it makes you want to close the book. But if you keep reading to Matthew 28, you see the same guy that was hanging on a cross on Friday is risen to life on Sunday. If you're just willing to stay in the book. Don't close the book. Keep reading. This is why I love the Bible. The Bible makes no effort to try and hide life's bad endings. It does not try and drown depression. But like a sunken ship, it salvages our shame and lets it breathe. It exposes it so that we have to deal with it. That's why I love my Bible. And so what I want to do today is I want to read one of the most disappointing stories in all of Scripture. One of the stories that really gets you thinking, why would God even do that? Is that even real? Is that even the God I serve? I want to read that story. And as the person in that story deals with their disappointment, my hope is that it will help us deal with our disappointment. And this story is in Mark chapter 5. You don't have to turn there yet. I want to give you some background. It's the story of a man named Jairus. And Jairus has a sick child, a 12-year-old girl who is literally on her deathbed. She is dying. And I relate with this on a, on a real personal level because I also was at the deathbed of a child, my own son, who, who I wished I could do something for. And I know that, 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 that pain of a father wishing that you can fix something in your child, but you can't because you don't have the answers or the solutions. And he's there and he's done everything for uh, his child and he hears that Jesus is in town. And so when he hears that Jesus is in town, he leaves the deathbed of his daughter believing that God can do a miracle. He runs up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I got a little girl who's sick. She's 12 years old. She's dying. She's dying right now as we speak. Like she's losing. Like her pulse is slowing. Her breathing is slowing. Can you please rush over to my house so that you can do a miracle in my girl's life? And Jesus being Jesus says, yes. But Jesus being Jesus <laughs> Also, something happens. You see, you see, Jairus goes to Jesus. Jesus starts the journey towards the house. But on the way there, there's another woman who's been sick for 12 years. She has an issue of bleeding, the Bible says. And this woman touches the hem of Jesus' garment and gets healed. And then Jesus stops, turns around and starts preaching. Good old Jesus. Can't just do a miracle and be on with it. No, Jesus. Got to make a sermon out of everything. 
Almost as if to say that our outside circumstances are not as important as our inside character or something crazy like that. He pauses in the midst of a miracle to preach the sermon. And Jairus is there. He doesn't want to be rude, you know. He doesn't want to push the woman with the issue of the blood to the ground, you know. And be like, that's cool, but you're still alive. My daughter's dying. You know, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. He stands there and he taps his foot and he taps his watch as Jesus just continues on his homily, going into the Old Testament, preaching a great message. And he's just like, I got a little girl. She's dying. Need your help. And literally while he's preaching, this is what happens, Mark 5.35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I want to speak to you today on the topic, why bother? Why bother? Why even bother? She's already dead. Why bother? What a disappointment. It's not the God I serve. Why? A uh, little personal story. A lot of you guys know how Liz and I's relationship started. I preach about it often. Um, she hit on me. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. I gave in. You know, prayed about it, fasted a little bit, decided I'd say yes. Um, but uh, the part of the story you don't know is that uh, I was a, like a mentor to like her brother. Her brother's name is David, and he was a part of an internship program that I was. Uh, one of the disciples over, that's a word, uh, teachers. And uh, we were hanging out one day, and uh, it was just me and David in the kitchen. And, uh, and we were talking about life, and we started talking about relationships. And then he looked at me, maybe because he noticed the way I was hanging out around her. He was like, do you like my sister? And uh, I thought it was, like, going to be my in. You know, like, if you get the family on your side, you know, like, you're in. So I was like, actually, man, you know, she cute. She cute, she cute. And, uh, and he looked at me, and I thought he was going to encourage me. I thought he was going to tell me to go for it. I thought he was going to give me the secrets, like her favorite hobbies and all that thing. He looked at me straight in the eye, and with like a sad face, he told me, she's not your type. <laughs> and I was like, well, excuse me? I said, well, what exactly is her type? He had the audacity. He said, well... The guys she dates are, uh, how can I put this? He said, bigger. <laughs> to which I was like, what? <laughs> you kidding me right now? And I left that conversation thinking, why bother? Why bother? And so one day, um, it was in the Christmas season, um, if you're not Puerto Rican, then I want to give you some education on some Puerto Rican culture. Uh, and so we have this thing that we do in Christmas season. I don't do it because um, I'm not really Puerto Rican. And so, but some Puerto Ricans do this. It's this thing called a uh, paranda. And I'll tell you what that is. I'll tell you what that is really quickly. It's, uh, it's, it happens at midnight and a group of strangers <laughs> and one person you know. <laughs> one person you know and a group of strangers they come to your house and they start knocking at 12 o'clock. And they come with instruments. And I don't mean like recorder flute. They come with bongos. There's at least one guy with a pot and a stick. And somebody has some type of stringed instrument. It's midnight and they start singing Christmas carols outside your door. And then you have to let them in at midnight. 
And so they came knocking on my door at midnight, and she was a part of this faranda. They came in, her and the other randos came in, and, <laughs> and they start singing these songs. And I'm like, all right, well, can't wait for this to be over because I kind of want this to be done. And, uh, and uh, but they keep singing. And um, <laughs> finally it's coming to an end, and they're about to leave. And as they leave, I notice that it's raining outside. And I thought, I, have, I think of Liz because she's there with them. And all the guys are around her, but I'm on the other side of the room. I'm not even trying to get in that because why bother? I'm not her type. So these other guys that I guess were bigger were around her, talking to her. And, uh, and I was on my corner of the room while they were on their corner of the room. And I just didn't even want to have a conversation. I didn't say a word to her the whole night. Um, and, but I noticed it was raining outside. And when I noticed it was raining, I thought, you know what? I've got a blue rain jacket in my closet. And I still have this rain jacket. And I thought, if I can get this rain jacket to Liz before she leaves my house. I'm a hero. <laughs> I think I can win her heart right here, right now with this rain jacket. But as I thought that, I heard the voice tell me, why bother? And so I'm like, should I get rid of the rain jacket? Should I not get rid of the rain jacket? Eventually the goodness of God took over inside of me. And I was like, I'm gonna just go get her the rain jacket. And so I ran and I got her the rain jacket and I was like, here, you know. I've noticed that you were going to go out of the rain, and it's just my jacket. You can use it. Make sure you bring it back. Which was my way of having a second conversation. I'm teaching y'all now. I'm schooling you. All right? And so bring it back. And, uh, and so she, uh, she took it. And the crazy thing is, like, we'll talk about that day today. Like, that was a seminal moment in our relationship. Like, that was the moment she fell in love with me right there. She was like, you gave me that jacket. And I thought, oh, wow, how, what a nice selfless man. And all these things. And. Really, but not really. But it really came a really moment. We talk about that moment even now, that, that day with the jacket. And here's what, I, here's what I wanted to share with you and why I share that story. Listen, the devil knows that he cannot change your story because he does not hold the pen. The ending is already written. So he only really has one tool in his toolkit, and that is this, to try and convince you to close the book. Had I believed the why bother lie, I would have never gave her the jacket. I would have thought, you know what, let's just close this story. But I believed it was just a page. I believed that the promises of God, that no one can shake them, that no one can change them, that no one can break them. And so I just continued to follow what I felt like was God's promises for my life. Why bother? Why bother? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you to say that to yourself. Come on, have you ever been in a why bother situation? Where you're facing something that seems like impossible to you. What I find interesting in the story of Jairus is that where those voices came from. If we can show it again, look where these voices came from, these voices of doubt. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. I don't know if you've realized this, but sometimes the most influential voices are the voices that live in your own house. It's not the external voices that have the most influence over my decisions. It's the voices that live in my head and the voices that live in my heart. And it's those voices that will speak to you and try and convince you, why bother? I don't know about you, but I hear that voice every morning. I'm the last person I get out of bed. In our marriage, we have a relationship agreement uh, that says that the last person to get out of bed is the first person to make the bed. We realized that we were having issues and fights over making the bed. And he said, you know what? We can't make it if you're sleeping in it. So the first person to get out of bed doesn't have to make it. And when I'm the last person to get out of bed, I'm like, ah. I know that it means a lot to her. I know that it matters to her. But I can't help the voices. The voices in my heart and the voices in my head that are whispering me those two words. Why bother? In about eight hours, you're going to jump back in it. The pillows are going to be disheveled once again. The sheets are going to be removed once again. Why bother? And someone says, what if you have guests? 
when, oh when, do we ever let guests into our bedroom? All you got to do is keep the, fir- the first floor clean. <laughs> Y'all know how it works. You're not going to see my bedroom. I hear those boys say, why bother? If you're a parent and you've ever had to repeat something to your child more than once, you know this wrestling match. Why bother? I told you this already a million times. The words, thank you. Please stop punching him. Why bother? Why bother? You're going to grow up to be a crazy person anyway. Why bother? We'll get a little serious right now. We'll get a little more serious. It could be a person who's been struggling with their weight. Maybe they struggle with obesity and uh, they've been working out and they've been dieting. But one day before they go jump in the shower, they look at themselves in the mirror. They see, uh, they see an image. And in that image, they don't just see them. They see their family line. And they start telling them th- themselves things like, you know what? Everybody in my family is obese. I come from a line of obesity. My grandfather's this way. My uncle's this way. Why even bother? Why bother? Why try to get fit or try to get healthy or try to lose weight? This is just who I am. Maybe you felt this way with a spiritual discipline before. Why bother? Some of you guys started off the year. I'm going to do my one-year Bible reading plan. I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to come out there like Jesus coming out the, the desert, just the power of the Holy Spirit, raising people from the dead. It's going to be awesome. And you started your Bible reading plan. And if you open up your little app right now, you got check marks all up in January. And you got check marks all up in February. But then came March. And now it's October and September, and you don't have a check mark since February because you missed your Bible one week in March and you told yourself, why even bother? Maybe you felt like that when you got dressed and came to church this morning. You're coming to church, you've been coming to church, but you've been wrestling with an addiction. You've been wrestling with a habit. And now you come to church, and before you get inside, you thought, you know what? What hypocrisy. I'm coming to church like I've got everything together, but really I'm still going through things. And you start hearing the voice telling you, why bother? This is what I love about the Bible. It does not shy away from these moments. It makes them real. And it gives us tools on how to deal with these moments. And I love what Jesus said. And before we show it, let me just tell you, this is quickly becoming the verse of my life. I love this verse. I don't know if my verse used to be Matthew 11, 12. Now it's Mark 5, 36, A. Because just A, not B, just A. Because ever since I became a pastor, I I began a lot of emails. (laughs) <laughs> not more emails than I used to get before. Emails about the way I dress, emails about the holes in my jeans, emails about the way I would do my hair, emails about my tattoo. I get emails about the songs we sing, about the kind of people we let serve. Um, there are kind of people who told me, ton of people who told me that this church was a bad idea, that I should have never left my job. And, and I hear all these things all the time. And now I'm thinking about either permanently writing this message on my bathroom mirror or tattooing it to my forehead, one or the other. I just want to be sure I can hear these words every time I wake up. Mark 5:36a. It's so good. Ignoring what they said. I clap for you. Because some of you guys, the greatest thing you can ever do when doubt comes into your life is ignore what they said. Ignore what your voices said, the voices in your heart, the voices in your head. Ignore it. You got to deal with, with, with doubt like a telemarketer. Just don't even pick up. Liz and I have different strategies when it comes to telemarketers. She believes that there's this list that exists. It's a do not call list. Have you heard of this fantasy? Have you heard of this this farce? Have you heard of this make-believe concoction that the telemarketing industry has put on? That there is a list. And so she's so kind. When telemarketers call, she picks up. She lets them do their whole pitch. And then at the end of the pitch, she says, can you please put me on your do not call list? I have watched her do that for 10 years. Ten years later, they're still blowing up her phone. I like my approach a lot better. If I don't have your number saved in my phone, I don't pick up. (laughs) I don't pick up. 
Why? Because it could be a telemarketer. I just don't pick up. Hey, it worked. I haven't spoken to a telemarketer in 10 years. And some of you might say, well, you might not have spoken to him, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't calling. Exactly. I can't stop doubt from calling, but I don't have to have a conversation with it. I don't have to talk to it. I don't have to engage with it. I don't have to give it my attention. I don't have to give. That's our problem. We can't sleep because we're giving doubt our attention. Ignore that call. Don't even pick up. Don't have a conversation with it. Instead, have a conversation with the other voice that's right beside you, Christ. And here's what I love about the voice of Christ. Jairus' house says, why bother? But Christ says in the next verse, don't be afraid, just believe. I'm going to ask our two worship leaders to come out real quick. Singers, they're going to help me with a little illustration because you really got to see this visual in order to really understand it. Because this is the dynamic that we live in as believers, okay. So Francisco, he's going to be the voice of Jesus, all right, because he has a beard. And everybody knows (laughs) Jesus has beards, all right. You're getting there. You're like half saved, all right? We got you there. And so he's going to be, he's going to be Austin. Austin's going to be the voice of, of why bother, all right? And so Austin, I want you to say why bother. Why bother. But to say it a lot. Why bother, why, why bother. But not that fast. Why bother. Okay. Why bother. Say it. Why bother. Why bother. Why bother. Okay. Why bother. Now this is important. Why bother. Why bother. Because I can't why get bother. rid of this voice. Why bother. This voice why is in my house. Why bother. I can't get rid of my house. Why bother. He lives with me. I got to live with this guy. I can't get rid of him. But there's somebody else who lives with me too. Somebody else who I can't get rid of. Jesus, who comes into my life and says, not why bother, but he says, just believe. Now, here's the beauty about this voice. Here's the beauty about this voice. You can't get rid of him either. Because Romans says, where can you go from the presence of God? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. When I'm weak, you're there. When I'm rich, you're there. When I'm poor, you're there. When I'm strong, you're there. You can't get away from this voice. But here's something you need to hear this morning. You can't get away from this voice either. This voice is hot on your heels. Hot on your heels. He's there with you all the time. And so while he's saying, why bother? This voice is saying, And this is your life when you venture to do something great for God. This is the way you live. With why bother on one side, just believe on the other. Now here's the problem. I can't rebuke this voice. He's not going anywhere. You know, you can't rebuke doubt because the moment you rebuke doubt, you'll doubt that it worked. (laughs) No, it's a true story. You'll be like, doubt, in the name of Jesus, get out. And as soon as you say that, you'll be like, that didn't work. That worked. Why would that work? I can't. <laughs> you can't rebuke this voice. You do not have the power to rebuke the voice of doubt in your life. But you do have the power to choose which voice you'll feed. Guess what this thing in my hand is called? A microphone. But guess what's coming out of the microphone? Well, the technical term is. In audio, feed. I might not have the power to rebuke this voice. But I do have the power to feed. Why bother? One of the voices, and guess what happens when I feed the voice of God? Just believe. 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 This is why you got to get in the journey group, because you got to feed this voice. This is why you got to open the Bible, because you got to feed this voice. This is why you got to come to church every Sunday, because you got to feed this voice. This is why you got to join the dream team, come to next steps, because you got to feed this voice. So this voice can be the loudest voice in your life. 
This is why some of y'all are so hype on Sunday and so weak on Monday. Because on Sunday, I got the microphone and I'm feeding this in your life. So on Sunday, you're hanging out with this voice. But Monday through Friday, you're hanging out with this voice. So on Sunday, you're like, God's going to do it. Yes, Lord. I never was forsaken. You're here with me, God. Amen. Jesus, you change everything. But when you don't do anything spiritual throughout your week, when God falls on the back, you're hanging out with this guy. You're like, Jesus, you're changing nothing. I'm the same. I've always been. You're the worst. You got to choose. So you got to ignore one voice. You got to feed the other. And here's the third thing you do, and it's genius. Keep going, guys. You're doing great. <laughs> Ignore one voice. You got to feed Just the other. And here's the third thing you got to do, and it's genius. Jairus does it. It's very subtle, though. Jairus does it. Let's go to the next verse. I think it's verse 36 or 37. 37. Yes, right here. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. And when they came to the home, ooh, you're like, yeah. And you got to say amen. You have no idea why you're saying amen right now. But I want to teach you real quick because it's, it's subtle, but it's deep. It's big, powerful. Oftentimes when we get in this position, listen, it creates paralysis. When we live in between faith and doubt, sometimes we just stand still because we don't want to move unless we're 100% certain. But this voice will never go away. Theologically speaking, you will only be 73% sure that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. <laughs> I've read the books. I've spoken to the theologians. I've done the Greek and Hebrew translation. They don't get any higher than 73%. I'm telling you, you can't step out without a little bit of doubt. And by the way, you need doubt in order for faith to be faith. Did you know that? Because the opposite of faith isn't, isn't doubt, it's certainty. In other words, doubt might sound annoying, but doubt is actually playing a vital role in your life to help you give glory to God. Because if it wasn't for doubt, you couldn't have faith. So he actually makes your worship worth something. He went home. He went home. Let me put it into a way that will make sense. When living in between the tension of faith and doubt, hear me? Just walk it out. Just walk it out. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. I'm 40 years old. I'm not supposed to go back to college. That's a young man's game. If I go back, I might fail. I might not do good. Why bother? Just believe. You know why? I'm not all together sure about it, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to put that application in, and I'm going to trust God that he's going to help me succeed, that he's going to help me win in higher education. This is your life. When stuck between the tension of faith and doubt, walk it out. Just keep Walking. Oh, I'm talking to the person who's struggling because they've been a Christian their whole life and they're not seeing the things in their life change that they wanted to. Just keep coming. Just keep walking. Just keep running. Don't worry about doubt. Hold on to just believe. Feed the voice and just keep walking your race. Amen. Amen. You can go. We got to get you on the guitar. You can stay. <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Lay down right there. Thank you. Pretend like you're dead. All right. Cool. Very illustrated message this Sunday. I'm going to hit verse five, chapter 5, verse 38 real quick. It's not on the screen. But Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. And he went and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Somebody say, it's not dead. It's just asleep. I love Jesus' perspective on things. The people think that the girl is dead because the girl's not moving. But Jesus sees not moving in a different way than the people see it. Jesus says, you call it dead because it's not moving. I don't think she's dead. I believe 
She's asleep. Mm. We're going to preach this right here. Uh, I have a little son, as y'all know. And uh, as, as, as many of those who have experienced parenting or ever babysitting, you have fought the good fight of putting your child to sleep. Come on. I think, I think that's why grandparents love being grandparents. Because parents, we, we tell grandparents that there's a bedtime, but there's no bedtime. They don't have to worry. They don't have to fight. They're going to stay up as long as they want, give as much sugar as they want, stay up till 3 in the morning. My kids always come back when my in-laws house tired. I'm like, you didn't put them to sleep, did you? Nope, they've been up for three days. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It's a struggle, man, and I don't, can't get my mind around it. It's like, it's like they went to sleep last night. Why is it such a surprise tonight that they're also going to go to sleep? I've even tried to prepare my kids for it. So now I do this thing where like 15 minutes before I give them a heads up to prepare them emotionally for this traumatic event. I'm like, just so you know, Justice Zane, in 15 minutes, we're going to go to bed. Everybody's going to bed. He's like, okay, Dad. 15 minutes later, bedtime. Because it sounds just like that. And I'm like, I don't understand what is so bad about going to sleep. It's funny, when you're a kid, Sleep is the last thing you want. But when you're an adult, you're like, yes, please. Nap time? Can I get a nap time in the house? <laughs> and here's the reality. It's because we don't have an understanding of sleep when we're immature. So I had to give my son some perspective. I told him, I said, you don't want to. You're doing great, Austin. I told him, I said, I said you don't want to go to sleep. I said, but he wanted to get on a roller coaster. But he wasn't tall enough. So I gave him a new perspective on sleep. I was like, you know why you can't get on that roller coaster, Justice? He's like, because I'm not tall enough. I'm like, because you don't sleep. <laughs> that's not even Bible, y'all. That's just science, okay? What does science say? Science says it doesn't matter how many weights you lift, how much food you eat, your body cannot grow on the go. Your body can only grow when you what? Yeah, you can't see it now because it's happening on the inside. But if Austin is really asleep, the cell, on a cellular level right now, cells are dividing. The bone cells are dividing. They're elongating. They're getting longer. At some point, at some point of course, it doesn't always work like that. But when you're young, it, it grows. And even his brain cells right now are regenerating. He's, getting, he's not just getting stronger. He's getting faster and he's getting smarter. All of this, though, is happening while he's not moving. You see, when we're spiritually immature... We fight sleep. We want to go, 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 go. We want to grow, 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 grow. We want our finances to go, go, grow, grow. We want our business to go, go, grow, grow. We want our love life to go, go, grow, grow. We want our family to go, go, grow, grow. Our home to go, go, grow, grow. But this is not how growth works. Growth doesn't work on the go. Growth works when you're asleep. The reason why I say that is because there's a situation in your life right now that's not moving. And you're upset at God because he let it die on his watch. And I came here to tell you today that it's not dead. Can I foot stomp? I like to foot stomp every once in a while. To drive home a point. It's not dead. It's asleep. That your dream is not dead. It's asleep. Ooh, that your future is not dead. It's asleep. It might not be advancing faster than you think, but that's only because you can't see what's on the inside. 
But you see, back in the day, they didn't have all the medical instruments that we have today. They didn't have all the pulse readers and all these things. They looked at a body that was motionless, and they said, the girl is dead. But Jesus said, you judge what is dead by looking at the outside, but I judge what is sleeping by looking on the inside. It might not be moving on the outside, but on the inside, there's, there's growth. On the inside, there's strength being formed. On the inside, there's wisdom being developed. On the inside, there's faith being built. On the inside, there's a future being formed. On the inside, oh, you might think that you're dead, but you're just sleeping, and there are things forming on the inside of you today that could not happen if God did not hit the pause button. I could preach this 10 different ways. Do you know what the Bible talks about? You know what the Bible calls Christians who, who die and are buried? Sleeping saints. Because one day, a trumpet will sound in heaven. And everything that looked like it was decaying, whew, everything that looked like it was dissolving, everything that looked like it was gone on that day, will rise. And it, it just will rise. It's going to rise with renewed and transfigured flesh, with a wisdom that we have never, it's going to rise in the best condition. It's going to rise better than the way it went down. How about that? We serve a God that even if we die, we rise better than we were when we went down. It's not dead, it's sleeping. And even if I'm dead, I'm still sleeping. Because one day I will rise. Jesus looks at the girl. looks at the girl and he says two words in Aramaic. Why Aramaic? Aramaic was the language of that family. It was what was spoken in the house and he wanted to make sure that he made a personal connection with the family because in the room now is the dad. He's in the room. Everybody else got kicked out but he's in the room along with Peter, James and John. So he speaks to the dad in the native language because he wants God to know that God is coming into his situation speaking his language. He looks at the body and he says, Talitha Kum. And he grabs the girl by the hand. Talitha Kum, which is Aramaic for little girl, get up. Says it. And the little girl gets up. And then he has the audacity to tell the people in the room, go make her a sandwich. She's hungry. I didn't even make that up. That's in the Bible. I love it that God can even mix practicality with your miracle. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't just live in this supernatural world. He's like, we don't put food in the fridge. Comes alive. And here's what I love about this. We can look at that. Here's what I love about this. Last week, it was Joshua who looked at the sun and said, sun, stand still. But this week, it's not Joshua, but Jeshua who looks at the girl and says, sun, stand still. Last week, it was Joshua who had the faith to speak to the sun. But this week, it was Jesus who spoke when Jairus didn't have the strength to speak. Here's what's in my heart, and I say it, and my heart breaks, and I fight the tears in my eyes as I say it to you, because I know there are some people here who hear this story, and you're so hurt because you're tired of hope. You've experienced hope before, and your hope came crashing to the ground, and even now, you're, you're upset, because as I'm speaking, God's rising something in your side of me, and you're fighting, you're like, no, 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 I've been there before. I was at a church service the last time when it happened, and, and nothing happened, and I went on that 21-day fast, and nothing happened, and I started tithing, and nothing happened, and I joined the team, and nothing happened, and you don't have the strength to speak to your situation. Let me tell you this. Sometimes faith is not finding the strength to speak to your situation. Sometimes faith. What was Jairus's, what was Jairus's mode of faith? What, what made him so special? He didn't speak to the girl. You know what he did? He stood in the room. 
when everybody was leaving and everybody was running because the scene was gory, he said, I'm going to stay where Jesus is because that's my hope. And he stood in the room, listen, while Jesus did the miracle. If you're here today and your hope is unempty because you've heard a sermon like this before, let me tell you something from the bottom of my heart and from the climax of heaven that you receive this. You don't, have the, you don't have to have the strength. You don't have to have the energy. You don't have to fight. Would you just be willing to stay in the room? Whether the sun sets, whether she dies, whether you get out of debt, whether you don't get out of debt, whether you get married, whether you stay single, whether he's cured of cancer or not, somebody just say, I'm not leaving the room. Wherever Jesus is, I will be. And when he speaks to my situation, my situation will change. But until the moment he speaks to my situation, I'm standing still and I'm standing pat. And I'm not leaving. 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 I'm going to stay right here. Wherever you are, Jesus, I'm staying here. that will be my sign of faith and that will be the way I fight my battle and that will be the way I push through I'm just going to hold on to Jesus while he does the miracle while he does the miracle whoever you are today hear me please hear me just stay in the room it's just a page don't close the book he's going to do it you just got to keep reading. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Stay in the room. Hold on. Get around some good people. Have them speak into your life, but don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Jesus. You change up. If that's you today, you need to hold on to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Every head by every eye you're here and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I've just been running for so long. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I've got nothing left. Jesus, would you, would you, would you make my heart your home? Whenever your head bowed and every eye closed, when I count to three, if that's you, shoot your right hand at the sky. I need you, Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three, right now, raise your hand, right now, come back home. Come back home to God. Congratulations. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Put your hand down. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus. I'm walking with you. I'm walking it out. Live inside my heart. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.